Radio Influence. The future is now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Overcast Val and Beans. Beans, beans, beans. Is it overcast there? Yeah, it is. It is overcast. I don't know what the rest of the day is going to be like. I have not checked, but hmm. right now it's kind of gray. Yeah, it's gray here, too, as we were just saying. Um, I have a bunch of random stuff today. Um, Monkeypox vaccine side effects. The clip of what's that guy's name talking about how he was happy to share misinformation about the 2020 uh, during the 2020 election because Donald Trump was such a threat that it was worth it. Um, I have Ron Johnson, who sat down with Del Bigtree from the High Wire to talk about what he's doing in the Senate. And a poll came out the other day, Frank, about him saying that he was like seven points behind his challenger in the Senate there. Ron Johnson? Yeah. And in Wisconsin. And I'm going to say something. If you're in Wisconsin right now and, and, and you can help Ron Johnson in any way, whether that's financially or volunteering for his campaign, we cannot lose that man in the Senate. He does. Too he's, much. Been, he's been an amazing voice. Yeah. I mean, he just does too much good. He he does too much good. He's too brave. Um, he's very uh, he's very willing to tackle issues that nobody else will go near with the 10 foot pole. Um, get the truth out there about them. We need that man in the Senate. He cannot lose. He cannot. And McConnell came out last week and said, oh, I don't think, you know, the Senate's really not looking that great, he'd be all too happy to not have some of the senators who were running win on the R side, because if they did, he wouldn't be majority. He wouldn't be the, 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 the head honcho over there anymore. Mm. Yeah. He's a man of action. That's oh, yeah. for sure. There's very few of them out there. Johnson or McConnell Johnson. Oh yeah, he is. Yeah. McConnell. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't hear him slip in there. Yeah, I said if he if McConnell, if McConnell's saying like, oh, we, I don't think we're going to retain the Senate. And he's all too happy about that because yeah, you know, it's going to be fun. Because, you know, if you think about it, it'll be fun being a minority. Hey, I don't think we were on um, Brian Stelter. Mr. Potato Hat is gone, Frank. I know. I know. He's gone. Um, I just, it, it's too bad he wasn't black because they would not fire a black gay guy. Is he gay? But there's, oh, come on. Is he married? It's, it's, what does that mean? My oh. father, my father was married. <laughs> <laughs> That's can you, can we talk about that for a second? I know it's, it's a personal thing. I'm, I have so many questions. Okay. So your dad married your mom, right? Had you two popped you two out. Yeah. Did he know before he got married that he was gay or after did he figure it out? Honestly, I don't, I, I don't know. I, 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 it's been so long since I talked to him about this stuff. Uh, but I get, I guess it's just one of those things where we're all in, we're all in high school and we're all moving on. And uh, he and my mother have been at that point divorced for about three or four years. And you got a lot of time to, to think about yourself and who knows how, how far back things go. I've got a lot of I've got a lot of thoughts and theories about about homosexuality by and large. I understand that in nature it this this just it happens, but it's very for us. I think I think a natural occurrence of this is 
less than 2% is uh, whatever. I think that there's a lot more nurture involved and some of that nurturing is trauma too. Mm. And I, so I have, I have a lot of theories and a lot of things I, I've read up on and things that I've, um, I've concluded that I'm not sure he would, he would ag- uh, agree with or be happy with. And um, I don't know. I think trauma plays a lot, a lot of a role in it. So just to say your dad is, is freaking awesome. Um, gosh, I love him so much. <laughs> Last night, I mean, every Sunday night, we have a standing appointment. Uh, he is uh, his partner, Bill, my mother, my brother, Lauren, Aurora, my aunt Pam came by last night, but it's every Sunday night. We, uh, we make fun of at least two Hallmark films uh, a night. It's uh, it's amazing. We DVR Hallmark love stories the week before <laughs> and we tear them apart the week after so we can skip through the commercials and we have a great time. We always have had a great time, but uh, you know, the years are weird. They really are. Things happen, relationships change, and especially that kind of a change. You think you never come back from that one. We didn't talk to him for a long time. So that was my next question. When did you find out? Like, how did you find this out? And did you freak out when you found that out? It was more of a, I kind of, I kind of could guess, you know, he's always been very flamboyant and, uh, you know, he, he was the one that was brought in. He wasn't coaching our little league team. My mother called, uh, taught, taught us baseball. My mother taught me how to be a, a shortstop. It was my, my father that came in to choreograph our Christmas plays, mm. you know, so he, he was, um, that, that's the, and he was directing and choreographing and doing a lot of community theater and got us into on the stage. I mean, he's probably the reason why we, we wanted to get a band up on stage when we weren't doing theater anymore. So I'd love to do theater again one day, just not a musical. I like, I like, you know, straight. Theater. I, I, yeah. I like straight theater. I, although some musicals are great. I loved I love being in Gypsy and stuff when he re- he uh, directed it. But um, afterward, I, he came out in like June of 2001. So right before 9-11. And we didn't, I just rather would have not speak to him for two or at least two or three years afterwards. We didn't really talk that much. We were in contact, but really didn't talk that much through the first couple of years of college as well. All my friends in high school, they, they don't even, many of them probably didn't even know if I had a father. I never brought him up. It was, it's so for a while there, it was a, it was a very, very weird thing, but you know, life is short and um, it's not, I'm not a, I'm not God. I'm not judging people. I don't have to, I can't judge people's relationship with God. I can just, you just got to live your life and um, leave the rest up to higher powers. And that's, that's why we just started rebuilding. I'm glad you I'm glad you guys did, because, you know, you could have looked back and regretted it. And it could, you know, if after you reconnected, things didn't go well or, you know, the relationship was strained, that would have been one thing you tried you move on. Right. But yeah, in your case, it ended up being glorious because I think you guys have a very strong relationship from outward appearances. Anyway, he's on the show a lot. You know, you guys talk. He's he's hysterical. I'm For a sure- long time, he had a show on our network. Oh, did he at really? Our, at our old studio. He can't, he would come in. I forget him once a week for, for years. And then I, we're going to be doing another for this Halloween. We're going to be actually uh, it's Saturday, the 15th of October. I already booked it with him because we've missed it last year. I had the idea. He, he was in a couple of horror movies and in the, in the eighties. So probably in, um, in like 86 or so, or 85, right after I was, while I was, um, while my mother was pregnant with me, 
he was shooting a horror film in Rye, New York called Spookies. And and um, it, it came out right when around the time that I was being born. And it's just it's really it's become a cult classic. And I grew up watching this film. And on the 15th of October, it's a Saturday night, we're going to have him in the studio and we're just going to we're going to stream the entire movie live and a make fun of it and b stop it for like liner notes and stuff. And so it's fun. Yeah, we do stuff like that now. And and, you know, it has been a good relationship. And uh, and yeah, but that 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 does. Um, so, yeah, Brian Selter's gay. I don't know how we got on this tangent, but I just I needed to ask those. I just had those questions always and never asked them. So I was like, oh, there's, just, there's probably there's so much more. There really is. But that's that's just the way it is in, in life. Everybody, uh, it takes you on journeys, man. Yeah, that's you, for sure. It takes you places. Very random that you meet somebody who, you know, has a, a parent who fathered or mothered. Well, not mother. Yeah, mother to children, a child. And then comes out of the closet and says that they're actually attracted to the uh, same sex. Just uh, you have no, you actually have no clue how, how common it is. Is it really? Um, yeah. I, I remember, I remember my, my high school guidance counselor came and pulled me aside because my father was, had talked to her, her, <laughs> her before oh. he came to us, you know, to just ask her opinions on, you know, what, what have you ever dealt with this before? She said, yeah, well, there's actually somebody in, School right now, same situation. In college, one of my best friends that I met in college, uh, when I finally told him about the situation, he said, my father's gay too. Wow. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's odd. It's really, really odd. But um, this stuff happens. Now, like I said, there's a difference between nature and nurture and who knows what's going on with the culture and what's happened in people's childhoods and and whatever. And um, but it's just it's just a real human story. And uh you know, it, it's very, um, I don't know. It's, it's one of those, it's one of those topsy turvy roller coaster ride things, I guess. So you're uniquely qualified to be able to say that you think that Brian Stelter is gay. Well, you know, my, my gaydar is not really that, sh- that, that keen. I don't, uh, but there's just, I don't know. He's got, just got that Ricky Lake voice and he's just so, he's just so soft. I, and I don't understand how any woman could actually want to, be with him without there being some kind of a uh, a marriage of convenience situation going on. <laughs> I, I just don't, it just doesn't pass the sniff test. So I guess from there we can move on to monkeypox because it's just a good transition. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's a video that came out, a news report. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's quoted some report uncomfortable side effects after monkeypox vaccine. So I just want to break this down again. Monkeypox is spreading. It is it came out last week. Uh, finally, they said in in writing it is it is predominantly predominantly this appears to be spread by um, men having sex with men. Can't say the word gay. Very bad. Yeah, no way. Um, men having sex with men. And then there have been these other cases like of like toddlers in the home with gay parents and a dog, a dog. Now, now, listen, the dog had anal lesions. OK, the dog had anal lesions. That's all I'm going to say. Was there was there any any follow up on these cases, any investigation, anything? Well, the dog was in London and they're not really sharing much about the kids because they're kids. So it's like, oh, can't violate these medical, uh, you know. 
things. But, you know, this could all be solved very easily if you just stop having... During COVID, it was, you know, we have to stay inside of our homes even if we're healthy, right? All we're asking, not that, I mean... Who knows what's going to happen? You know, you heard the the Friday interview with McCullough about how this stuff can go wrong when you're vaccinating, uh, you know, millions of people with a vaccine that destroys their immune system and then saying, go out and expose yourself to viruses all over the world and see how you handle it. But just stop having sex for like two or three weeks. What the hell is wrong with you people? But it's not even, but this is the thing. It's not even, it's not even stop having, if you think of this from a epidemic, epidemiological standpoint of being able to find somebody or find a uh, situation and isolate it. The best way, if you're monogamous with anybody, anybody, I would have to imagine if both of you had no uh, serious infection beforehand, that is like this, which it seems to be almost purely sexually transmitted then how the hell does it get in there unless you're not monogamous? Well, that's that's another thing. It's the same thing with STDs. You could ask the same question, right? So and I like, would argue this is an STD at this point. Um, sorry. That's, their, that's what they're saying, too, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, if you're getting it predominantly from having sex with other men and you're getting it in your in your anus, I would assume that it's an STD at that point because it's spread and transmitted sexually. But what about all the uh, all the, the monkey pox on the faces around the mouth? Is that because the guy is burying his face in the other guy's ass? <laughs> I don't know. I think that the lesions can pop up anywhere, anywhere? once you get it. Um, but not typically in the anus. It's not We're common. Just, well, by the way, sorry to the audience for this episode so far. Why? <laughs> it's just <laughs> angel, anal lesions. <laughs> Gay people. I, it is what it is. Listen, I mean, it's important stuff. Yeah. So we have side effects from the vaccine now, the monkeypox vaccine that they have tinkered with and messed around with and, you know, changed the dosing on and and changed the injection methods. And people are complaining about side effects. I just want to contrast this with what happened after the covid vaccine. Okay, this is much different the way they're handling this. Did you hear one news report about a side effect from the covid vaccine? No, it was all. Oh, it's great. It's safe and effective. Go out and get it. It's 100% safe. Nothing's going to go wrong. Go out. Rare. And- they use the word rare sometimes. Well, yes. Rare and mild. This, this- or and, and then and then in other situations where they could not avoid catastrophic uh, um fallout from it, they'd say, "Well, I mean, nothing is 100% and unfortunately, this is the price to pay for progress." Yeah. Yeah, people die. As a matter of fact, I have a Ron Johnson clip here. Um that I was going to play later, but I'll play it now because Ron Johnson sat down with Del Bigtree from the High Wire, um, and he did a very long interview. And there's a couple different things that came out of this interview, but this is one that I really wanted to play, and I have to speed up too. This thing done, so they're they're toning their their safety surveillance system. So so I start watching him, and the deaths start moaning. Now, you know, I'd already researched He's talking about example, the swine flu back in 1976. Okay. What, a four to 500 cases of Guillaume-Barre disease? Yeah. And what, two or three dozen deaths? Yeah. Shut that Boom. thing down. Boom, that thing's yeah. over. You know, it looks too risky. And we're getting a few hundred deaths, over a thousand, two thousand. Finally, we had a meeting with a bunch of Republican senators um, and Francis Collins that I got invited to. 
And of course, I'm the I'm the skunk in the room. Trust me, everybody else is there all pat paying themselves on the back. You know, the vaccine and you know the testing. We got that out, and you know, just what a fabulous job we've done to respond. I'm kind of raised my hand. So, well, Doctor Collins, um, are you monitoring the VAERS system at all? Now, this is this is after they had shut down uh, temporarily the J and J vaccine because okay. there, there were six that deaths. Pause that they there, there were attributed right. to the vaccine of uh, child age bearing women. It's over 3,000 deaths worldwide in VAERS, and, and by my calculations, 40% of those are occurring on day zero, one, or two. And, you know, it goes into the, you know, song and dance. Well, you know, VAERS doesn't, uh, doesn't prove causation. It's voluntarily, remember. So, yeah, but, okay, it doesn't prove causation, but, again, this is your system. 40% of 3,000 deaths, I think the number is 1,230 deaths, are occurring on the day they get vaxxed or within two days. Right. Doesn't that concern you? And literally his answer to me was, Senator, people die. Oh, and, and, and the more you see these, I, I saw another story of a teenager that died of a heart attack. Playing while Frisbee? Playing fr Frisbee with his parents. And I'm, people, Senator, people die. I, I wish I could slap a person like that across the face. Can, can you believe that? Like, people die. Yeah, 1,200 people die within three. It, it's just, you can't. And as a matter of fact, there's another... Um, column that has come out um what uh it's called hold on it's called what's to blame for the surge in excess deaths it's from the spectator the uk spectator and they're they're you know they're jumping all over the place to try and explain this away they're saying that it was um their repercussions from the lockdowns um saying people failed to seek treatment for diseases and again i'm going to go back to this and, and you correct me if my thinking's wrong, because this is just how I think about it. Okay. Does early, like, would the percentage of people with deadly cancer go up that much from a delay in treatment of a few months? I don't think so. I don't, I, obviously it would make an impact. All those things. I know it would certainly make an impact, but the numbers they're talking about. I don't see how they're they're trying to say that it was it, it, basically what they're saying is is everything. But they say the possibility remains that we're seeing the result of lockdowns, in particular, the failure of people to seek treatment um, or the difficulty obtaining a consultation. Um, a 33 percent fall occurred in the diagnosis of early stage cancers. But I, I have to like think that that percentage of people who get cancer is generally around the same. There's not going to be a spike in cancer in, in everyday people just because they were locked in their houses for, for three or four months. Right. So, you know, look, it is hard to see a doctor anywhere nowadays. It's hard to get an appointment with the doctor. It usually takes months and months and months. I don't know why. Um, what they're doing, like what, what if there's so many sick people now that they just can't manage the load? I don't know. But there's a big difference um, in, you know, oh, by the way, all these excess deaths are a few months after vaccine mandates. And, oh, these people were locked in their houses a year ago and now we're seeing them die. I don't know. It, it, no, it doesn't. It's um, then again, I don't know. I don't know. Another thing where, that, where, where can you where can you say it out loud? Is there any place where you can say it out loud legally and not have uh, can you only just say it on alternative platforms? Yeah. Still. Yeah. Like, wh when when do we have to 
this is why they wanted to put all this stuff away for 75 years. They wanted to allow everybody involved with this to die off first. I know you've been saying that the whole time. You know who's allowed to say it apparently on YouTube? Jimmy Dore. He doesn't get banned. He's vaccine injured, too. I think that's why. I think he's a little more in the game. He is a, uh, a progressive, a progressive's progressive. And well, he used to be I, anyway. It's a little bit harder. It's, well, he still believes in all those in all of the, uh, the government programs and, and their and their use, their usefulness. But he's an old school liberal where, you know, free speech is absolute. And he's going to he's been really great. He always has been. But this I, I think that things have been so crazy that it's separated it separated people like him from the crazies and it's uh, it's added a little bit more contrast to how bad things have gotten um and how how sane they actually were 10 years ago Compared. even though they were they were still insane yeah but um but you know he's also got a big i think the, the bigger following you have the harder it is to get rid of you i mean i guess they do it to steven crowder a lot right um also, Ron Johnson news, by the way, he is championing and helping these military whistleblowers. And, um, you know, they're coming forward about community and how they're not being given community. And it's it's he's handling all these whistleblowers from everywhere. I mean, they're all coming to Johnson. They're all going to Grassley. Here is Ron Johnson from that same big tree interview um, pleading with with doctors and nurses. Here we go. You know, let me look right in the camera and make my appeal to doctors Please. because if you're a doctor and you are awakened to what's happened, if if you know that it's wrong and it's not right, don't sit by the sidelines anymore. Don't let just Peter McCulloch and Dr. Malone and Pierre Corey and all these courageous doctors who step forward to warn the public, they need help. We literally need thousands of doctors who are aware of the problem to join together. There is safety in numbers and be honest and truthful with the American public. I'm, I'm begging doctors. I'm begging nurses to come forward, join together as one massive group and put an end to this insanity and help restore yourselves to the position that I think you all thought you'd be in going through medical school and taking that Hippocratic Oath, being loyal first to your patients and being the one to call the shots when it comes to how you care for your patients. I'm just, I'm begging doctors, you have to step up the plate. You want to, you want to lose someone like that in the Senate? No, no, because if he's out of the Senate, he's more easily censured by the public. I mean, I mean, it obviously networks and, even though they're, they're less and less relevant as it is, they uh, pick and choose who they're covering and what bits they're going to use anyhow. But um, there's still there's still some level of necessity to cover things like this by elected officials when they're in office, which is the reason why it's a it's part of the part of the reason why there's so much there's so much game planning to just remove people forcibly from public life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like, for example, if Donald Trump somehow we're reelected again. I mean, we know that popularity wise, it'd be hundred percent possible, but let's say, let's say he broke through the, uh, the cement ceiling. Would Twitter be, uh, I mean, they banned him in the last days of his presidency. So would they let him back? 
No, but the funniest thing is, Frank, that that he's basically on Twitter anyway, because everybody's taking his truths and putting them on Twitter. Mm. So he's basically on there anyway. But no, they wouldn't. Of course not. Of course not. So it doesn't matter. I mean, they've they've lost that that stranglehold. As a matter of fact, um, just to give a, <clears throat> a hat tip, that clip came from uh, the Washington Pundit. That's where I found it. Um, there's a uh, there's an article that came out over the weekend. Did you ever? I'm, I'm in my. There, I just went to my page to get this, and there's somebody in the chat accusing me of a of a quote thought crime, um, even though I I didn't. So I had one belief and a group of other people had another belief. But this person is saying because I I associate with someone from the other group that it's my belief, too, and I'm guilty. Can you believe this? (laughs) A a belief of what? It was something stupid. Like they're saying that I believed that Elon Musk was a white horse that was going to come in and rescue Twitter, which couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, I've never I never said that. Never, never once. As a matter of fact, I demonstrated to the contrary. And he's saying, well, Brian Cates and we, the media said it. So you did, too. And I'm like, I don't even know who's in we, the media. I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, okay, so, you know, your neighbor thinks it's okay to murder animals that you live next door to them. So you're guilty. Also, what the hell is that nonsense? Anyway, there is an article that came out, Frank, um, from this outlet called the Daily Veracity. I, I don't even know what it is. I've never heard of it, but I did go through and verify what this person was saying. Massive Democrat bot farms revealed influencing elections, war and racial tension. 51,343,790,000 social media impressions since 2019. It's called Demcast. It's a nonprofit 501c4 that basically uses, um, a mix of like real people and bot farms to drive public opinion on Twitter and amplify it false falsely. And they train people to, to know how to do it. Like if we were to do something like this on Twitter, they'd ban us all. Right. It's, you know, what hashtags they use. And it just so happens that all the people or a lot of the people on the board are former national security council, Obama administration, um, you know, oh, folks. They, get the, they get the pass. They're always doing stuff like this. Oh, oh. And they had unlisted YouTube videos that are very boring, by the way. My goodness. That train people on how to use Twitter to make their message appear as though, as though it is more important than other people's messages. And of course, whenever you see um, I got the COVID, I got COVID, but I'm vaccinated and boosted and i'm thankful because it could have been much worse everybody says that they all say it and then like there's always like that one story that if you search it on twitter everybody's got the same story and it's coming from different accounts so they're using twitter to make the one percent look like you know 80 percent they do it when it comes to grooming children they do it when it comes to sexual orientation they do it when it comes to trans stuff are you following any of the stuff that's going on with um, Blair White and libs of TikTok with this this trans activist who is literally dispensing gender, you know, like hormones and the castration medicine to to teenagers without a prescription? Are you following any of that? No, I didn't even know that was going on. So I, I, I heard about I heard about the, the banning of uh, gays against groomers. You're not allowed to say that. 
you know, you, you can't say that anymore and you can't have, you can't have gay people come out and speak out against it because it, that would be, I don't know, that would be too friendly to the right. Yeah, I, I guess so. But what happened is um, this, this trans activist, Eli Ehrlich, is broadcasting all over social media. Listen, teenagers, we know that you want access to these medications that will halt your, your, you know, stop puberty and help you transition. And we know that they're stopping you from getting them. And so if you want them, if you've, first of all, if you're going through this process and you have extra medication, send it to me. And teenagers, if you want this medication and can't get it, send me a note and I'll send it to you. That's illegal. Like so illegal. It's, it's so illegal. And so now this, Trans activist has like turned their sights. Listen to this. Just listen. So Libs of TikTok is somehow back on Facebook, despite being a clear domestic terrorist and calling for people to come to these clinics armed and terrorize pediatricians. Which isn't true. I mean, the Libs of TikTok never does that. All Libs of TikTok does is show the world what these people are saying in their own words. This, uh... So... This person, all all the teenagers want talk about it. All the teenagers want it. We know, hey, hey, teens in America, we know that you need puberty blockers and yeah. uh, estrogen patches. We know that's what you're looking for. It, uh, that that in itself, jail. It should be and maximum security. It should be, and and you know that goes to the next thing that that Joe Rogan is under fire for, and everybody. You know, there's a, a foul word right here in the beginning, but this is what he said, and you cannot argue with this. Here, hold on. Imagine if you have a gay child and you have a fucking teacher that's trying to indoctrinate your child into the world of heterosexuality and convince your child that they're going to burn in hell right. if that child is gay. Imagine how furious you would be. Right. Well, it works the other way, too. Right. Right? It does. It works the other way. You should be really good to be able to talk, really good at what you do. If you want to talk to a fucking seven-year-old about gender identity and sex. And we, I've seen some of these people with lip rings and yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. blue hair. They clearly are ideologically bound. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the way they live their life. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them pursuing whatever sexual identity they have and living their life. But I'm saying you should not be the person that talks to children about this, especially if you're a fucking history teacher. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Speaking of just perusing through libs of TikTok's feed, there's (laughs) so much here. Can't even. Why are they all teachers, Frank? Here's one. Okay, white educators, this one is for you. I mean, white really, educators? most of these are going to be for y'all. White educators should be a safe space for black students. Let me say that again. White educators should be a safe space for black students. When is it not a safe space for black students in a white a, a classroom taught by someone white? Well, I mean, I uh, I was taught by mostly white people my entire life, and we did start off every school day by 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 beating up all the black kids in our our class yeah, with the teacher's help. But that was a long time ago, Frank. I mean, in modern day. Oh, that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> 
I was constantly beating up black people in class, but things have changed. I mean, seriously. Actually, actually, what we would do is everybody would have to sit still and, and not so while the teacher, the teacher wailed on him first. That's always fun to watch. Right. Right. That's how that's how it starts off. First, you let the teacher do this it. Freak. And now these and now the and now these are the people who are teachers. Yeah. And not only that, there was like outrage over. I forget what state it was, but there was some, you know, teachers union collective bargaining sort of a you know organizational like contract thing going on. And one of the provisions in the contract was if you have to lay off teachers, you have to lay off white teachers first. That was in Minnesota. What in the ever living hell is that? It's it's not it's nothing. First of all, it's nothing that helps black children. It's nothing that helps any any child that wants to learn. And for a person, a, a parent of you're white, black fire. or otherwise, you know, the brown children, if your school district is doing that, you got to get them out immediately, immediately. It's, unless you unless you want them, your, your kids to to have their, their brains rotted by Spike Lee films all semester, then that's then you, you leave them in there. But if you want them to have a chance at, at having a whole a wholesome life and being able to have the ability of forming good personal relationships without without these nut jobs injecting this crap into your, your children, you have to get them out. Here's they, the- they, and, and they do all this. For the supposed betterment of black students, which, of course, are the people who are harmed the most. Right. Exactly. And, you know, if you're a black person that speaks out against this, you're not really black. It's amazing how they crucify people that they would otherwise identify with if they just step outside of the box a little bit. I saw a clip the other day and we're going to finish listening to this one. Her little self-entitledness. Um, I saw a clip the other day of a black woman screaming at a white liberal to stop telling her that she's oppressed. Like, stop telling me I'm oppressed. I'm black. I'm not oppressed. I live in America. I can do anything I want and no one is stopping me. And she's like, but that's you. What about systemic racism? Oh, God, you you creature, you you pathetic white, white creature. And, and you could see the disdain that she was she she was so conflicted because she's I mean, it's against everything that. You, Why don't you want my help? Well, it's against everything they preach. Now she's telling that a black person that their lived experience isn't what it is. And that's counter to what she's attempting apparently. Do to, you understand how much worse your life was and you don't even know it? I know. <laughs> you have it so bad. You just don't realize it. If you only knew what it was like over here with this megaphone screaming at black people. Here's the rest of this one. Not able to connect with those kids. It's probably because they don't feel safe around you. Right. I mean, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. There are many white people, especially white strangers, that I have my guard up. And it's because I'm trying to protect. It's because you are a, a, a damaged woman damaged by people who put an inferiority complex into you. You're a damaged person. You have a lot of emotional baggage and you should not be teaching and passing this on to a new generation of young people. You need to go away to a padded room and eat jello for the rest of your life. Yeah. And she's projecting that like she she's basically saying she doesn't want to be around white people. What about her white students? 
isn't she doing the same thing as she's accusing white teachers of doing? Mm-hmm. How does she feel when she's got, you know, 20 white students in her classroom? Does she ever guard up? Is she not teaching the same because she's scared of the white kids? That's it. It brings me to something else that's been bothering me a lot. I know you don't watch it. I do. Last season on the show, Big Brother, there were black cast members that all banded together and made it so that they wouldn't vote any other person of color out, regardless of how they played the game or what they were. So they just they basically made it so that a black person would win Big Brother for the first time ever in history. Okay, now that's legit. That's legit. So now the new season, everybody's saying like anytime in the beginning, I think it was two people of color that were voted out in a row and everybody started screaming racist, but they were terrible players. They just couldn't play the game right. So like, of course, they're going to get voted out. And now there's one contestant who says, I can't put anybody of color up on the block to be evicted from this house because I won't do that to another person of color. Regardless, this one other person of color has attacked this woman the entire season in ways that can't be really quantified. I mean, just nasty, horrible stuff to her. These, are, she, damaged, these are damaged people. They're not whole people. And then, you know, how are you ever going to have an honest season of Big Brother again if everybody's going in there and not voting people out because they're black? And then one of the contestants this season said, well, I'm not going to vote out basically without saying it said, I'm not going to vote out any white person on this game in this, in this house. I'm not, I'm not doing it. Good battle of the races. That's exactly what we wanted the whole time. Right. Right. See, see, and and this is, this is what they do. All right. First of all, they, they, they do a lot of things. They, they humiliate, they degrade, and then they replace anything that they like, anything that they, that they, that they don't like that they want to possess is what Marxists do. Now, obviously, these these contestants on Big Brother are not, uh, they, they probably don't know how they have, they are being used and how they have been groomed to act this way and to act on behalf of a much larger um, cultural assault. But this is what happens. They get people to act on their behalf, to do something ridiculous, to do something so shallow, so racist, and they make that the new norm. So they go and they band together to make it so that the first black person ever wins this stupid contest. And then the next year, the next year, when it doesn't seem like a black person is going to win again, then of course it becomes the, the oh, the, 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 the show or whatever the hell that whatever has become, it's become retrograde or racist or something like that, because the trend that they forced into existence didn't keep up because it's a not, it's not a natural thing. No, they, they represent nothing that's natural. No, and speaking of nothing that's natural, do you see like what's going on in all these hospitals now where they're coming out with like these programs, these pediatric hospitals for kids to like castrate them and chop their boobs off? No, I didn't. I didn't. It's it's te- it's freaking terrible. All these children's hospitals coming out with which uh, puberty blockers they're going to use and how they're going to use them. And, you know, we don't really have any any hard evidence of what this hap- what happens to people after a certain period of time if they're on these medicines. But if your child is struggling with their gender identity, we're here to help, Frank. If your child is struggling with gender identity that we cause, we're here to make it worse. Yeah, it's just terrible. This whole thing. And then I had one other thing here was scattered around. Oh, let's let's I know you have to leave a, b- a little bit early. Two things. I'll let you pick which one you want to talk about. The fraternities at USC and sorority. Well, actually, it's just fraternities right now. 
broke away from their normal structure. We could talk about that and why, or we can talk about psilocybin and how they're pushing this into pharmaceuticals. I heard about the, uh, well, they've been, they've been, uh, they've been slow walking microdosing of psilocybin for a long time for treatment of things like depression and post-traumatic stress and all that. So the fact that this is now being officially put into pills, like it, it, what, what it's being, um, what's being adopted by, by big pharma. Well, they're doing all these testing, this testing. So they have like all of these people that are basically growing and cultivating certain types of mushroom um, to be used in pharmaceutical medication to figure out like what dosage is proper um, to help with the therapeutic, you know, for the therapeutic benefit. And, you know, anytime, look, when big pharma got their hands on medicinal marijuana, it ruined it. I had a very dear friend of mine who was suffering from a a rare cancer who was taking medicinal marijuana to manage the pain and was also doing regular medicinal marijuana beforehand and said that the difference was stark. The side effects from the pharmaceutical version versus the natural version were, I mean, night and day, night and day. So anytime that Big Pharma gets their hands on a natural substance and tries to crush it into a pill form. I think that there are issues. Well, it's only because when they, yeah, well, I, well, as as you know, it's the only way that they can patent it. Yeah, you can't take you can't take a um, you know, you can't take Northern Lights cannabis indica and um, and go and package it and sell it. You can't do it. I mean, unless you're a dispensary and you've got your, you make a relationship with the grow, but you can't patent it because it's nature. So you got to take some kind of um, you have to take some kind of substance from it, draw some kind of component from it. And I don't know, I, industrialize it. I have no I don't really personally like this would not be something that I jumped to do, but it has shown benefits, immense benefits for people who have suffered from trauma for people who have had horrible things happen to them or suffer from clinical depression or any number of other things. And people have been doing this for years on their own. Um, It's getting to be more embraced, I guess. Um, You can go on YouTube and search this up and find, gosh, any number of channels that will talk about it and demonstrate it for you and tell you of their experience while they've done it and what it's done for them spiritually um, and all number of things. Um, also, another treatment that's come into like the four is is ketamine, Frank. Oh, I know. I uh, I know a few people who um, ketamine is is becoming a lot more recreational again, too. Which you go into this version of ketamine, you go into a therapist, a, a, you know, a doctor's office, for lack of a better word, and they hook you up to an IV and they monitor you as they dose you with ketamine. And you basically spend however long an hour getting this ketamine drip and then you wake up um, and then it lasts apparently to help people for like a year. And then you got to go back and do it again. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot I, of science. I, I, there, I didn't but. hear the year thing. Yeah. Last forever. Like lasts for a very, very long time. It's not something that you have to do. Maybe a year is too long. Maybe it's like every six months, but it's like a, a significant period that it lasts for, like in terms of the therapeutic effect of it for people. And again, you can go on YouTube and find this, but I can't talk about the 2020 election. That's that's a no, no, <laughs> no, don't do that. 
Anyway, Frank's got to leave a little bit early today, so we'll close up the show. You have been listening to the Monday edition of the Dark to Light podcast with Overcast Val and Beans. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. We'll be back on Wednesday, and Friday's a solo show because Frank will be driving his booty down to South Carolina. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yep. See ya later. <laughs> This is a Rock Stops Here with Rock Riley Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Oh, yeah. Got a big one today. Now, if you follow the NFL, if you watch the NFL, NFL on Fox. I love their production. I love their games on Fox. I love the halftime shows. I love Kurt Menefee as the host. And of course, the Terry and the Michael Strahan, Jimmy Johnson for years, uh, Terry Bradshaw, Jay Glazier, breaking news, the pregame, the postgame. NFL on Fox is just the best. And Kurt Menefee, the great host, the quarterback of that team, is my guest here on The Rock Stops Here. Two pieces of advice. Do anything and work your ass off doing anything. You know, I, I think so many people look at the end game. And for me, it was never about that. I mean, I told you, I started out thinking I wanted to be a producer and someone said, put your voice down on tape. Why don't you try this? Uh, I stayed late at night uh, when I interned at CNN, the first gig I ever had in this business, just to learn how to edit. And I would just watch guys and I taught myself with help from people, but how to edit. And so you just, you know, you do anything. I carried gear when I first started out in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I pulled cable. I wound up getting on air. And by doing that, it's like, have you ever done sidelines? No, I did that for Fox. Have you ever done play by play? No, I did that for Fox. One opportunity will lead to another as long as you work hard and show people that you're not only willing to do anything, but when you do it, you're going to succeed at it. You're going to bust your ass at it. And even if you fail, you're going to fail trying because people will put their arms around you. They'll embrace you. They'll say, okay, look, you didn't know how to do this, but I'm going to show you how to do this because you work hard. And I think as long as you put those two together, then the sky's the limit. The Rock Stops here with longtime radio and TV personality Rock Riley is found anywhere you find podcasts and RadioInfluence.com.